Don't you love it when you go to the doctor and they tell you to do something, but you really don't know how to do it? Has that ever happened to you? Like you go to the doctor and they say, you need to lose weight. And you go, yeah, well, that'd be nice, right? Or they say this one, you need to reduce the stress in your life. Well, doc, what am I supposed to do? Quit work? Leave my family? Come into a wealthy inheritance? I mean, what is it that I'm supposed to do with that, Doc? Well, sometimes it feels a little bit that way in church. People like me standing in places like this tell people like you to do stuff. And sometimes you want to sort of say the same thing you'd say to the doctor. What, what am I supposed to do? I, I don't really know how to do that. I mean, we might say things like, you really need to stop sinning, right? And you say, well, I don't set out every day to increase the number of sins that I'm committing. It just, the temptation comes my way and it happens and I don't feel good about it, but I'm really not sure how to stop. Or maybe some good things that we tell you to start doing. Like when we say things like, you really need to reach out and, and tell people you know about Jesus. And maybe you think, well, I, I, I sort of know that. And it's not that I don't want to tell people about Jesus. And it's certainly not that I don't want people to know about Jesus. In fact, you could probably name people that you know right now among your friends or your family or your coworkers, people you care about, that you want to know about Jesus that right now don't. And it would be awesome if you could stand with them, maybe even in the water up there, and baptize them into Jesus. That would be like the best day ever for you. But how do you get from where you are now to that point? A lot of us are not really sure. I mean, we don't want to come across and sound sort of preachy. We don't want to be condemning. We don't want to turn people off. We don't want to sort of lose the friendship because we're talking about Jesus all the time. And so we sort of have a couple of natural reactions to being told we should tell our friends and family about Jesus. One of those is we just shut down and say, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure what to say. I don't know the words that you're supposed to use, the scriptures that you're supposed to turn to. So we just don't, right? We just don't do that. We just pretend it's not there and we keep living our lives and talking to these people and having a relationship and we never talk about that. That's one reaction. The other is, man, you get somebody and it gives you, you're all fired up and you're ready to do that and you think, man, I can do this and you're ready to run out and tell anybody who'll listen. And so you go out and you begin to talk about Jesus and maybe it doesn't go as well as you'd hoped. And it does feel awkward. And people aren't interested in listening. And maybe you feel a little bit like a failure. And it doesn't take long for us to say, I don't think I'm cut out for this after all. And so you quit talking about Jesus. And the people that you know that really need to hear about Jesus never do. And yet here we are as a church in this community, knowing that it's part of our mission to tell people about Jesus. If we love God and we love others, and Greg did a great job of laying what that looks out like in communion and, and how that's a commitment to do just that, if that's what we're about, there's no way we can just sort of say, well, I'm going to love people, but the ones that need to know about Jesus, well, I'm not going to love them that much. 
I'm not going to love them enough to actually talk about Jesus. We know that's not acceptable. We know that's not okay. We know we have this responsibility to share the message of Jesus with the people around us, especially the ones that we love and care about that we already have a connection with. So if that's our mission to love God and love others, how are we going to go out and actually talk about Jesus? Now, there's more than one strategy to do that. I'm not going to give you the only one, but I am going to give you one that I hope over the next couple weeks, this is the two-week series, that I hope that as you hear what I'm going to say today and next Sunday, you'll say, you know what? I think I could do that. I think I could, I think I could do the things that James is talking about without it being weird, okay? I think I could do that and maybe have an impact on someone around me. It's a very simple strategy. It's just two words, well, one in between, invest and invite, okay? Those two key words, invest, invite. And today I want us to talk about the first one, investing in the lives around us, investing so that we can earn the right, the privilege, the honor of speaking into someone's life to invite them to something that might change their lives. Now, the thing is, sometimes we want to just leave that piece out. We just want to do the invite, okay? We just want to say, hey, come to church with me. But, but a lot of times we haven't really gotten the place in that person's life so that they would want to listen to that invitation because lots of people, and they've been to church, they've tried it, and they don't like it. They're not interested. It was either boring or somebody said something that was offensive or... Somebody did something that really hurt them, or maybe they're just not sure about this God thing. Why would I go to church when I don't really even believe in God, or I'm not interested in knowing God? And if we just jump to the invitation, we may not have had the opportunity to know that person well enough to earn the right for them to listen to the invitation. So what comes before that? The investment investing in the lives of the people around us. And I think it's a biblical thing. I want us to go back to the story of uh, Luke chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there with me. It's right at the beginning of the chapter. It's a familiar story. Most of you have heard this. Matter of fact, uh, we had a guest speaker last year talk about this. Story of Jesus. He's teaching by the Sea of Galilee. Large crowd comes, and he says to these fishermen whose boats are right there, hey, can we just push off the shore and get a little distance from this crowd so I can see everyone, more people can hear, it'll be a better atmosphere for teaching. And they do that, and Jesus teaches. And then he says to these four fishermen, hey, let's, let's go fishing. And they say, let's don't. We fished all night, okay? And we didn't catch anything, and we're not interested in going out again. But Jesus says, let's do it. And you remember the story. They have the biggest catch of fish that they have ever seen. These men are professionals. They have done this before. Their father and their father's fathers were probably fishermen as well. And this is the biggest thing that anyone has ever seen. There's a man in that group of fishermen named Simon. You've heard of him. We call him Peter later on. And when he saw all these fish, this is what happened. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now let's hold off right there. It's an interesting reaction, isn't it? I mean, here Jesus has said, go fishing, and they catch all these fish. I mean, this is payday for Simon, right? This is the best day of his life in terms of his work. He's never seen so many fish, and he ought to make a fortune on this one day. Why isn't he excited? Why isn't he saying, Jesus, you need to come fish with us every day. You're going to make us wealthy men. His reaction is, is very similar to what we see in the Old Testament. When an Old Testament prophet encounters God, the immediate reaction is fear and a sense of their own sinfulness. It seems that when we, as sinful human beings, encounter Jesus, when we encounter God himself, our first response is to recognize our own sin. Why? Because God is sinless. And when we encounter a holy and pure God, it just amplifies the understanding of our sinfulness. And that's what happened to Peter. So he just wants Jesus to leave because he's convicted. He senses who he is and what he's done. And this is overwhelming to him. And even though, man, this is a payday, he is not interested in Jesus being around because of how it makes him feel. So what does Jesus do? Pick up in the middle of verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And again, it sounds just like the Old Testament prophets because they'll say to God, God, I, I got no business here. I can't speak for you. I can't do this. You're God. I'm not. I'm sinful. And God always says, don't be afraid. I got work for you to do. And that's what Jesus says. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Now, I'm not sure... Peter or any of these other guys fully understood exactly what Jesus was saying other than they're gonna, they've got some work to do. They've got some work that Jesus, who is obviously God, has called them to do, and it involves getting people. Okay? So what do they do? They pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus says we've got work to do, and they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to just walk away. Walk away from the boats, walk away from the nets. If you remember, my friend Sidney preached on this last August, and he said, you got to remember, they also walked away from the fish. The biggest catch they've ever seen, and they walk away. Why? Because Jesus called them. And now you're thinking, at least I would be if I were in your shoes, I thought we were talking about investing today. This is the invitation part, and it is. And it's easy to think, well, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't do anything. He just, he just invited them, and they followed. Why can't we be like that? Why can't we just issue an invitation and say, hey, listen, Jesus died for your sins. He's offering you eternal life. You just need to put your faith in him and be baptized, and, man, you can serve him the rest of your life, and you can spend eternity with God in heaven. Sounds awesome. Aren't you ready? And they would say, yes, let's do it. But here's the thing. Sometimes we read Luke chapter 5 without reading Luke chapter 4 because this is not the first time that Jesus has encountered Simon. 
In fact, the truth is, he's been in Simon's home. Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever. It is as if she has an evil spirit that is causing the sickness. Now I know some of you have thought at times that your mother-in-law, we won't go there. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. No, here's here's Simon Peter's mother-in-law. It's his family. She obviously lives with them. And she's dying. And Jesus came into Simon's home and he healed her. Now, Jesus has abilities beyond what we have. There's no question about that. Jesus had the ability to speak and call people in ways that you and I never will. But on this instance, what we know is that Jesus didn't just show up by the Sea of Galilee and say, Peter, let's roll. He had been in Peter's home. He had eaten a meal. He had healed his mother-in-law. Peter had seen something about Jesus already that had attracted him. Jesus invested before he invited. But what we also need to see is that wasn't the end. Because we also know that once Jesus called Peter that day beside the Sea of Galilee after the great catch, that that Peter had these years, three years, where he's following Jesus and hearing his teaching and seeing the miracles. And he saw the crucifixion, or he wasn't there, but he knew it happened. He knew Jesus was buried, and he saw Jesus raised from the dead. And again, beside a lake, Jesus forgave Peter for denying him three times. So what strikes me is that Jesus invested, he went to his home, He met a need, he shared a meal, he invited, he said, come, I want to make you a fisher of men, and then he continued to invest in him for years. I think there's a great lesson for us in that as we think about how we can reach out to the people around us, and it's this, invest before and after you invite Now again, I think most of us can think of someone in our lives who needs to know Jesus. And we want to issue an invitation. We want to issue an invitation that someone will actually listen to. We want them to respond to that invitation. And one of the things we have to do is invest before and after the invitation. We have to Invest in who they are. Show that we care. Show that we see them as a real person, not a project. Invest and invite. Jesus was willing to build into Simon. His first step was investment, but it wasn't the last step. He kept on investing. We were at a conference recently 
some of our church leaders and Gene Apple, who's a, a minister out in California, spoke, and he talked about how this could work, and he called it 3D evangelism, because each one of these starts with a D, and I think this is really helpful, a practical way to invest in the lives of people. The first step is to decide to engage, right? Okay, so we've got people in our lives. Maybe there's neighbors around us. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's family. <clears throat> Someone, we have to make the decision to engage them, right? Some of them we know very well. Some of them we barely know. Some of them we wave when they walk in their house and we walk in our house. They're mowing, we lift our hands, say hello, but we have never engaged them, right? Well, some of us need to make the decision. Some of us are so tied up with people that are in this room right now. These are our friends. These are our community. This is who we know. This is who we like to spend our time with that we sometimes don't get to know people who are not in this room right now. So we have to decide to engage those people. And that means we've got to get to know them. That means we've got to introduce ourselves. And maybe for some of us, this is a little hard. There's introverts in the room that, that this is difficult. But maybe there's people around, friends or neighbors or whatever, that you could say, hey, let's, let's hang out around a fire one night. Let's, let me host a dessert bar. We'll just get to know one another. We'll just have a good time together. This is not going to be high pressure. I'm not going to present the gospel, okay? I'm not going to do something weird, right? It'll be okay. We're just hanging out. We decide to engage. Second, we develop a relationship. Now, again, this is not just about, hey, this is my project. But I'm, I'm a real human being, okay? And I just want to develop a relationship with the person who lives next door or across the street or a person that I've gotten to know a little bit at work but not a whole lot and, and I'm gonna develop a real human relationship because none of us wants to be a project right none of us wants to be like you're gonna fix me but we do like people who say hey you know let's just talk about whatever football work family whatever your hobby is we like real people. Develop a relationship. And then third, discern the next steps. And this is the bridge between invest and invite. And we're going to talk about that a little more next week in an event that we've got coming up two weeks from today that's a perfect opportunity to invite someone. If you've already done some of that investing, man, it'll be perfect. What are the next steps what can I invite someone to? Can I open up a little bit of a spiritual conversation? Not one where I'm going to lay out a gospel presentation and they've got to listen to me for 15 minutes as I tell them everything there is to know about Jesus and maybe a little more. But maybe they're struggling with something. And there's a moment when we can say how faith has impacted our lives. Or there's a moment when we can invite them to worship because we know it will impact them maybe for eternity. As we discern those next steps, and this is where we have to be careful and we have to pray and we have to ask for wisdom to do what God wants us to do in that moment and in that setting. But the key here for us today, we'll get to the invitation next week, is we've got to make the investment. Invest 
before and after we invite. Because you know what? We're going to invest in someone, and then we're going to invite, and some of the people we invite are going to say no, and some of them will say maybe later, and some of them will say yes. But if then we say, okay, well, the investment's over, then what have we done? We've made them a project. We invest, we invite, we keep investing. Because you know what? They're going to mess up sometimes. We know that firsthand because we mess up sometimes. And it's really good when we blow it. And someone that we love and trust, and they continue to build into us like we still matter. And you know what? We do. Because God loves us even when we sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So who is it? Who's that group of people that you can begin to invest in? Maybe you don't know them very well now, but there's relationships that need to happen. Maybe you do know them now, and it's time to really begin to build into their lives. Because you can help them in this life. But God can help them more. And God can change eternity for them as well. Let's pray together. God, we ask that you would put people in our lives and give us opportunities. And some people in this room right now are just saying, I don't know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. But God, you have called us to do this. And we are confident we put our faith in you, a powerful God, that if you have called us to do this, you will give us what it takes to do it. So God, we pray for just that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe there's somebody here today who's had another person invest in their lives. You've been invited. You're here today. And you're beginning to think, man, it's time for me to commit myself to Jesus Christ because he's made such a difference already in my life. You're ready to put your faith in him and be baptized into him. If you're ready to make that decision, we want to share that with you. We want to talk about it. We want to see you baptized into Christ. Or maybe you've done that and you want to be a member of our church and serve with us, be part of what's going on here. We'd love to talk with you about either one of those things. Let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.